You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things, and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere, and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously. It doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences. People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host. Okay, just so you know, in my contract, it says that I have to be a little bit louder than <laughs> Elliot on the podcast. So let's just, let's just keep that in mind, okay? Here's your hat. What's your hurry? Welcome to 32 Thoughts, the podcast. Jeff Merrick alongside Elliot Friedman. The big story of Sunday has been the big story of the weekend, has been the big story of the week, has been the big story going back to the NHL media tour in Vegas, Elliot, and that is Mike Babcock. On Sunday, he announced he was uh, resigning as head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. He released a statement about it as well. Uh, the Players Association uh, issued a statement. Marty Walsh uh, spoke about it. Uh, we're going to get to both of those things. We're going to talk about the future of the Blue Jackets and Kekalainen and Davidson and plenty on Mike Babcock. But what just happened here? I mean, we were on our way to you know day one of media and boom, Paul Bissonnette and the Spit and Chicklets podcast um, dropped what turned into an anvil uh, on Mike Babcock and CBJ. Your thoughts on, and just from your perspective too, because you've been right, you know, in the uh, in the heart of the volcano here. What just happened this week? What did we just go through? I, that's a great question. I I don't have a short answer for that. To be perfectly honest, I mean, we just went through the end of someone's career. Um, it is basically what we did. Um, you know, Mike Babcock was getting close to, he was, he was about to go to Traverse city to join, watch the Columbus blue jackets at their prospect camp. And he did go to their first game. And instead, um, he's out and, you know, this will be the end for him, uh, in the NHL. And it was an, it was an absolute whirlwind. Uh, if you listen to the podcast on Friday, you know, you kind of heard me walk us through a bit in terms of what we knew to that point. Uh, Bissonette made his comments. They came out Tuesday initially. And, and I think this is the thing here that initially both the team, the league and the Players Association were satisfied by the comments from Boone Jenner and Johnny Goudreau, which leads to a dynamic that we'll get to later, um, that there was nothing here. And, um, you know, the team released the statement. We did the interview with Bill Daly. But I spoke to the Players Association, too, and I said, do you guys have a concern here? And they were like, no. It, according to what we're hearing here, um, we don't have a concern that we think that this wasn't um, anything as nefarious as, as was indicated. And I think it all changed on Tuesday night. I heard there was a player who came forward, and I don't necessarily think it was a player on the Blue Jackets, 
but I think it was somebody. Like one of the things that Biz showed from his text messages is that I don't think the complaints originated from Columbus. I think they were other players who were friends or new players on the Blue Jackets, and they said, hey, like this is something that uh, we want to address and identify here. And that's kind of where it started. And it just snowballed. I think after Tuesday night, there was I heard there was one player who said, wait, there is something here that you have to look at, and it affects the younger players. And so I think everybody, especially when the younger players were mentioned, um, you know, the, the, these guys are going to be the cornerstones of the Blue Jackets, hopefully for years to come. Um, I think, you know, I've had this debate with people, but bottom line is I think that veterans generally not always but generally can handle themselves better or better positioned to handle these things than younger players are because they're new and they don't feel they have in a lot of cases as much power Um, I I heard once the younger players uh, became a factor here this really kicked up and you know I wrote a story Thursday night that there was going to be a meeting on Friday between the League and Players Association, and it was an already scheduled meeting, but now the Babcock I, the Babcock item had gotten to the top of the agenda. There were people who told me on Thursday night that you know Babcock was going to have to step down or Columbus was going to have to make a change. One way or the other, there were a number of people who felt on Thursday night this was not going to end any other way. But, you know, you don't want to guess. You can't be wrong about something like that. And some information started to filter about what I kind of wrote about on Sunday night is that is amidst anything that was being discussed here, there was one particular meeting that had everybody concerned. And it was a meeting that was a, was not at a Columbus rink or a Columbus facility. It was in another location. And it was a meeting where apparently Babcock had access to the phone for several minutes. I don't know what that means. I don't want to guess. But the player didn't have their phone for several minutes while Babcock had it. And because it was a young player and because it wasn't at the rink uh, and because of you know just this entire situation also the fact that for Babcock his behavior had to be perfect he could not make a mistake and this was obviously a very big breach of privacy you know I I think the amazing thing about this whole situation Jeff is still like the other day there was a story in one of the San Jose papers for about Patrick Marlowe and how he said that he did something, and it wasn't a big deal to him at all. Like, that's one of the things to me that's amazing about all this is the wide variation of responses I got from people. But when you're in the position Babcock's in, you cannot commit anything close to a violation. You have to be squeaky clean. And I know this one particular interaction, and maybe there was more, I don't know, but this one particular interaction... I had people telling me on Thursday night that it was going to lead to either a resignation or a dismissal, and we got A. But you have to be careful. You can't say anything until you know. 
You know, considering this is another issue with a younger player and, you know, the, uh, the, the very public history of Mike Babcock's controversial interactions uh, with younger players is well told, you know, how much of this now is a reflection of the hiring by Jarmo Kekalainen or John Davidson? I think we're still unclear as to who... Um, pushed for the hiring. I would imagine at Monday's, you know, media day for Columbus, um, that question will get ans- uh, asked and, yes. and certainly answered. Um, but, you know, one of the questions now is, and I, I want to circle back to the PA and-, and get more on Babcock, but just so we have it on the table, what happens above Mike Babcock? Because this doesn't just exa- exist in a vacuum here. Like, he was hired. You know, there was talk of a vetting process that was done. Some significant people in the Blue Jackets organization vouched for him publicly. Do you wonder what happens there? I think you have to. You know, we'll see what they all say on Monday. I have always believed that if I have the highest title on the mantle, the buck stops with me. Like, you know, I've always believed if every anything goes wrong, not that I have the highest title on the mantle here, Jeff, but I, you know, like 30, 32 thoughts mm. was, yeah. It's your like, brand. Like if something <laughs> goes wrong on the it. podcast, it's, it's on me. You know, I, I, I really do feel that because, you know, I, this started under me. So I, I really do, I do feel that way. Now, I don't think that one person hired Mike Babcock. I think there were a lot of people in hockey and I would bet on the business operations of the team that had a say. So I don't, you can't tell me this is all on one person, but I talked to an owner on, on Sunday night There's an owner. I speak to, I called him. I said, I said, what do you think? And he goes, you know why people say I meddled too much? And I said, okay, why is that? And he said, because of this. Like the McConnell family who own the Blue Jackets, they have a reputation of we hire people and we let them do their jobs. You know, Doug McLean, when he worked in Columbus, after he left Columbus, he always talked about how great it was to work for them. They were great people to work for because they didn't micromanage you. And, you know, like... That's what this owner said to me is he said, when something goes wrong, he said, that's my organization. And so like people say, oh, I meddled too much. Maybe, but that's one of the reasons I do. I ha- Nobody cares more about the organization than I do, and I have to protect it. Now, I'm not saying that the the people who work in Columbus don't care about the Blue Jackets and the brand. I think they do very much. But to me, if I was the owner of the Blue Jackets, I'd be saying, all right, this is our brand, my brand. What do I think here? And I don't think we're going to know the answer to those questions for a little while. This was a risky hire. Um, the fact that there's a whole lot of I told you so 
going on um, mm. around around the league it leads at least me, Elliot, to believe that there's going to be some significant questions asked here above uh, the level of the coach and into the into management positions because this is this this was a risky hire from day one. And to your point, this was a very very narrow tightrope that Mike Babcock had to walk on. And mm-hmm. the fact that there's not a lot of surprise and the fact that there's a lot of I told you so's going on around the league right now, it's going to lead you to believe there's going to be a lot more questions asked um, about who made the hiring, how the hiring was made, who approved, who signed off, and who had reservations and who didn't approve of it. But we'll see. The next few days, we'll, we'll bring those answers. I want to ask you about Marty Walsh, the executive director of the National Hockey League Players Association. So here's his statement. Our players deserve to be treated with respect in the workplace. Unfortunately, that was not the case in Columbus. The club's decision to move forward with a new head coach is the appropriate course of action. You know, this is the, at least publicly, first major piece of business that we've seen Marty Walsh do on behalf of the National Hockey League Players Association. Your thoughts on Marty Walsh and the PA in all of this. Initially, it was, all right, nothing to see here, move along. But that changed, and it seemed once there was a sense that something was wrong here, the PA was really aggressive in getting to the bottom of it. Well, Marty Walsh comes from the government world, right? Yep. And, I mean, you know my feelings on politicians. I am not pro-politician at all. But in theory, there are supposed to be rules in that world about how people are treated. So I'm not surprised that he would take the information that came to him and say, where I come from, this is not acceptable and it shouldn't be acceptable here. So like as a start, I completely feel that that's the way that this should have been handled. I, you know, I also think about Hainsey. You know, Ron Hainsey was in Carolina when some of the Bill Peters stuff happened and with uh, some physical issues on the bench. And at the time, he stood up to Peters and made it quite clear that that wasn't going to be allowed to happen and it wasn't going to be acceptable. So I am not surprised that under Hainsey, this was the case too. I mean, this is one of the strangest things about this whole situation is that Hainsey played for Babcock in Toronto and saw the quote-unquote good photo sharing and not the bad stuff that was unearthed here. So, I mean, I think... That's the way, you know, one of the reasons Donald Fear is out as head of the NHLPA was because of the way that the Players Association handled the aftermath of the Kyle Beach situation. And they dropped the ball there too. And Fear was going to leave anyway. He was getting to the point where his time was up. But that was really Mm -hmm. the ending. And so the first challenge that the walsh Hainsey administration gets, I think a lot of people will be happy to see that it was handled this way. There are going to be players who are going to look at that and they're going to say, okay, 
on these kinds of issues, we're going to be protected. And that's important. So obviously, I think it's a very good thing for the Players Association. Like, I remember, Jeff, when we were doing a lot of the, the stuff with Eichel and his injuries and him wanting to do his own procedure... Yep. You know, there were players who who thought that that was an example of the Players Association not standing up for them either. Yep. So this, in Walsh Hainsey's first attempt, it was important they got it right. Um, speaking of standing up for your people, uh, I want to talk to you about Paul Bissonnette. And I want to yep. talk to you about TNT. And mm-hmm. there was a moment in the evolution of this story... Um, Bissonette started the story on the Spit and Chicklets podcast, and then there was cold water thrown on it from a lot of different angles, whether mm-hmm. it was, um, you know, the players, uh, you know, uh, Boone Jenner, Mike Babcock himself, uh, the NHL, the NHL Players Association. There was a time frame where it was looking like this story didn't have any legs. And a couple of things happened. One, Bissonette stood by his story strongly. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. two, despite the, and don't forget, TNT is a rights holder. Despite the outcry from all corners, and you know, Liam McHugh tweeted about Bissonette's reporting as well, the host of the, uh, the NHL on TNT, they stood by him. Well, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at that. I'm not because TNT stands by their people, Jeff. They all look at look at the stuff that happens in basketball. They stand by their guys. But you know, there's a lot of other places that would that would cave in their people in yep. that in in that situation, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. I just think that's important to have out there. Yep. They stood by their people in this situation, and I think that deserves applause. I really do. I'm not surprised in the least bit that TNT did because that's their reputation. There have been times the NBA has gone to them about their inside the NBA show and said, tone those guys down. They're like, no, like we're not, we're not doing that. You know, the thing about biz is now remember after the awards in Nashville, I said that he's the most powerful media member in the NHL. And I believe that Um, the fans love him. uh, The players love him. Um, You know, like, you know, I, I think one of the things that definitely comes up here that, you know, Columbus is probably going to look at and say is, okay, this was a situation that went wrong in our organization, but they felt more comfortable going to biz than they did to us. And I think sometimes that happens. Like, you know, we all have trouble in our workplaces sometimes. We all disagree with our bosses or hate our bosses, and sometimes they hate us. But there has to be a protection to you too, right? You know, that's what HR is for. And in this case, biz was the HR. You know, I think the other thing too that should be mentioned, Jeff, is the the Columbus room. And obviously this will be something that develops over the next few days and weeks as training camp opens. But there are people wondering, you know, is this going to be a problem? You know, the fact that Jenner and Goodrow came out and said that, you know, defended what happened to them. And again, I think it's important here to recognize that one person's uh, experience might not be the same as the other, but is it going to be a problem? You know, is that going to be an issue? And 
I think everybody's kind of wondering about that. How's, how's everyone going to feel? Like I said, I heard that that meeting on Thursday, the one that the team had with the, with Marty Walsh and Ron Hainsey, I heard it was really something I heard it was, I've used intense, you know, someone else said, if you're tired of using the word intense, you could use the word fierce. Um, you know, what are, what are going to be the outcomes of that? Is there going to be any long-term dressing room repercussion? I don't know the answer to that, but obviously the players are going to talk about it. I, you know, the one thing that I really think is great for Columbus is in the middle of all this, they go out and they have a dynamite rookie tournament where what Fantilli puts up seven points in two games, including a hat trick, like, like in the middle of all this. You know, you're you're in the middle of this maelstrom, this hellscape that suddenly you're in. But your prospects go out, and they and your best ones go out and light up that tournament. I mean, at least there was some good news for Columbus this week. Absolutely. Uh, a word or two about Pascal uh, Vincent as well, who gets hired as head coach. Uh, many will say, well, certainly it was a long time coming, um, and you know, probably not the way that he wanted to get hired as a head coach in the NHL, but nonetheless, someone who's probably, Elliot, safe to say, overdue to become a head coach in the NHL. He gets his shot running the Columbus Blue Jackets. There were a lot of people that were really happy for him, really happy for him. Just, I mean, nobody wants to see it happen that way. Uh, even he was careful in his statement to mention that, like nobody wants to see it happen like this. But in terms of his personality and the work he's put in, um, you know, you, you'd think he's like 28, the way people talk about him. He's 52 years 52. old. 52. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, but they were, they talked about, like, there's a lot of yeah. people who are happy to see him get the chance. You know, I think there's a decent chance, Jeff, that if, if they hadn't gone to Babcock, he was going to be the guy. I know mm. there were people in the organization who advocated for him. You know, the, the biggest challenge, and we've talked about this on this podcast before, is it's not always easy to go from assistant to head on the same team. Oh, I know. You go from good cop to bad cop, and that's not an easy thing to do. But, you know, like, life is, what's my grandmother's old line? You plan, God laughs. So you know, uh, he's sitting here, he's going, okay, I'm going to be the assistant coach this year. And now that is the the opportunity is here. You don't plan for it, but it's here. You have no time to drop the ball. Like one coach said to me is that, you know, the best thing that could happen is he doesn't have time to overthink it. Camp opens this week and you can just do what you do. And that is coach. You don't have to have too many meetings. You just go coach. Mm. Um, but that's the thing. Like this is your opportunity. You have to be ready to grab it, seize it, control it and take it. I think this is a team with a lot of good pieces that has a chance to get off the mat. Um, he has to make sure that, you know, he can rise with this team. The opportunity has been thrown on his lap like a bowl of warm soup. Oh, my. He has <laughs> the opportunity to run with it. You know, let me um, let, let, let me finish off this conversation with uh, with a story. I had a phone call Sunday afternoon for someone who used to play for Claude Noel, um, who you know was talking to me about the Mike Babcock photo situation, and he said, you know, when I played in Milwaukee under Claude Noel, he made us show photographs too. And I said, really? And he said, yeah. But he said, here's what he did. 
And obviously this is, you know, in the era before, you know, sophisticated photo rolls on your iPhones. But nonetheless, he said he called each one of us in the off season and said, look, when you come to the team this year, what I want you to do is bring like 10 or 12 pictures of whatever you want to display to your teammates. Could be pictures of your family, could be pictures of your pets, uh, anything from your history, things you've done, places you're gone, however you want to represent yourself so your teammates have a more accurate snapshot of who you are, um, bring that to the team. And what he would do is, um, I don't know if it was once a week or once every two weeks, I'm not sure the, the frequency of it, but what Claude Noel would do is he'd tell a player, okay, tomorrow you're gonna present. So what you would do is, um, you'd bring all of your photographs and there'd be a board and you'd have to either you know tape or glue or staple all your photographs onto this board and it would be displayed in the dressing room before all of your teammates. And after practice, you would stand up and you would describe, you know, this is my partner, these are my kids, or this is my dad, and this is my dog, and this is us on vacation, and this is us doing whatever. And it was a way for everyone to get a better sense of who you were other than, oh, he's the guy that feeds me one-timers on the power play, and then we go and have a beer and eat chicken wings uh, after a game. And he said it was a really great way to get to know everybody on the team. It's quite different um, than how you know Mike Babcock, Babcock most recently did it. But nonetheless, I just wanted to throw out there at least one good news photo story with hockey players. And I think that sounds like a great way if you're going to do it if you're going to like follow the coaching strategy of you know get your players to show pictures uh the way claude noel used to do it in milwaukee i i think is a i think is a great way to do it it sounds like a nice idea as long as you have everybody's buy-in everyone's okay Listen to the 32 Thoughts podcast ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things, and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere, and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously. It doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences. People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host. Here's Bedard from the circle. There's the wrister that everyone's looking for. That looks fun, doesn't it, Chicago? 2-0 Hawks. Here's Bedard getting again, mid-slot, weaves in. And another tough angle shot, Connor Bedard. His second goal of the night, and he continues to put on quite a show. There's Connor Bedard with another shot and a hat-trick goal. Connor Bedard has done it all tonight. 
Okay, so, you know, Elliot, a couple of moments ago, you mentioned Adam Fantilli and, you know, all the points and the hat trick and, and the whole deal. Uh, how about Connor Bedard at his uh, rookie camp with uh, the hat trick in the first game where it seemed as if each goal got prettier than the last? Although, personally, I like the second goal maybe better than the other two, but I'm splitting hairs here. Do you have a quick thought on what you saw from Connor Bedard this weekend? Well, I, w- I was talking to one of the people who was at the games where he was scoring, and, and, he, and he said to me, you know, I was wondering how many goals Bedard is going to score this year. After watching that, I'm taking the over. <laughs> I said, I-, I don't care what the number is. Give me the over. Yeah. And I just told him, if you want to be successful at wagering, shop around for the best line. Let's get to main camp here, folks. But let's, l- let's get, just get say I, I wouldn't be surprised if that number goes up. Boy, yeah. did, did like the best he was looks... the reaction by Colton Doc. He was like, "Oh my oh, god, man, what I know." Did I just see he's standing in front of the net and he just can't believe like what he just saw. He's like, "Oh my goodness, what the heck was that?" Um, speaking of rookie camps. Um, just curious to get your thoughts on on the Pittsburgh Penguins. So the Pittsburgh Penguins, you know, didn't wear Penguins jerseys. They wore practice jerseys. Um, Dubas did this in Toronto as well. Um, he's very much of the belief that you earn the jersey, uh, that just by showing up at rookie camp, you don't get to put on the jersey. Um, I know there's some other teams that, you know, mainly because teams complain about things that are a little bit different, or if someone wants to color outside the lines a little bit, a team will grouse. Uh, mm-hmm. Dubas did this before the Maple Leafs, doing it with the Pittsburgh Penguins now. The idea of you earn the jersey, you don't get it at rookie camp. Yeah, I got to tell you, I, I don't get as wired about that one as, as some other people might. I kind of like the idea of what he's thinking there, earn the jersey. If I if I was a yeah. player, I think I would I think I would like that. I, I think I would sit there and I would say, I like the carrot that's being dangled in front of me. But but the one thing I was thinking mm-hmm. is it's always the feeling of how do you feel now and how do you feel twenty years from now? And what I would hope to do if I was a good person, which I'm not, but if I was is that if a player was in our rookie camp and didn't make the NHL, I would want to send them like a team jersey. Say, I know you were here. I know it didn't work out. You, didn't, you unfortunately didn't make it in the NHL, but you were a Penguin in camp once. Here's a Penguins jersey. Hmm. So a consolation prize. You didn't make the team, but here's the sweater nonetheless. See, that that's what I, like I said, Jeff, if I actually was a good person instead of the terrible human <laughs> I am now, that is what I would like to do. Uh, what did they say? Ifs and buts were candies and nuts. We'd all have a Merry Christmas. Yes, yes, if we would. If I was a good person. If I was a good person. Okay. Um, Ottawa, Michael Ann Lauer and the Sens close. How close is this now? I, it's going to be this week. You know, I feel bad for the Ottawa fans. We keep on saying, uh, you know, Bruce Garriock, he keeps getting their hopes up and then it just gets keep pushing along. Someone said, but it's like the sale. The, it's the like the sale, thing. right? No, but this is totally different. Get- the sale, 
the sale by the end of the time was one of those plays where since the NFL is back, the ball gets fumbled for 68 yards because nobody could pick them up. Like that's what the sale was. This, uh, this post sold process has actually been pretty smooth. It just, you know, who gets rich at this time? The lawyers, you gotta get, you gotta do a lot yeah. of papering. It, it's going to get done. And um, like I said, we're going to find out about Cyril leader. We're going to find out about what Alfredson's going to do. We're going to find out what, where Steve Steos is going to be in all this. And I, I think we're going to find this all out this week. Um, it's getting really close. Um, you know, I, I think one thing, I, I generally think Ann Lauer knows kind of what's going on. I think, you know, Pierre Dorian's been doing his job of keeping them updated and everything they're thinking. Yeah. But this Pinto thing, like, you know, one of the things thing is, like, there's deadlines and there's deadlines, really, right? Like, one, it's a soft deadline. It's the start of training camp. Another soft deadline is the start of exhibition games. And there's a soft deadline you want to start the season. Like, they're kind of deadlines because you want to be there. And, you know, I do think, that, like, number one, I think Ottawa wants Shane Pinto there. And I think Shane Pinto wants to be an Ottawa senator. Um, I just, I don't know how this is all gonna play out um you know i i I think that you know obviously they they aren't there yet as we do this at sunday night they aren't there yet you know the bottom line is i just look at the senator's cap situation and you know i've said many times on this pod i think he's a two and a half million dollar player like how are you going to get there Mm -hmm. like how do you get there they don't have you're gonna have to move somebody out and I said on the last pod that I think it's possible that a team will maybe take a player they have to move if they trade Pinto in that deal. But I still think at the end of the day, the Sanders want to keep the player and the player wants to stay in Ottawa. I'm just not sure how they're going to get there barring a trade. I, I just don't know how. And, and it might have to be a trade that, Either it's a three-way or a player has to go with Pinto. I don't know. It's, it's, look, like, I think all these teams right now, like Addison and Minnesota, like the Wild are just, they're, they're just like, we don't have room. There's no money. There's, there, there's no money. And the thing is too, is Addison isn't as accomplished a player as Pinto now. Like Pinto's a guy who scored 20 goals in this league. And, and, you know, that's, that's significant. He's a good player. I just, I, I don't know. I don't know where this one's going to go, but I, I'm wondering if like the new owner comes in and, you know, does he say, Hey, I want to make a good splash on the day I come in, get this done somehow or something like that. I don't know. I, but I'm, I'm just wondering if that's going to be a factor in maybe getting this sorted out. Uh, what I mentioned as well, coming up here in a couple of moments on the podcast, our conversation in Vegas with uh, Anders Lee of the New York Islanders. Lots on other sports, by the way, with uh, with Lee. As we know, he's a talented uh, and accomplished athlete, not just in hockey, but in other sports, most notably football. But as we find out, Elliot, he's quite an accomplished pitcher. Stay tuned for that. And then someone who really, I don't want to say surprised us because we knew he was a great personality, but it's our first time getting a chance to do anything long form with him. Uh, and that's Seth Jarvis of the Carolina Hurricanes, who was Great fantastic. suit, too. Like, a great suit. Great suit, great shoes, great look, whole deal, wonderful interview. These two coming up in a couple of moments. But before I, we I have there, to say also that talking about someone's great suit, 
on an audio podcast, I think that's a real <laughs> hit for the listeners. Yeah, that's real good. We're smart like that, Elliot. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get there, I want to get your thought on one of our favorite topics. I mean, everybody loves talking about number 68. Looks like Yager's coming back for another yeah. year in Cladno with the Knights at the age 51, at the age of 51, his 35th pro season. Now, the only downside to this is it sounds like Yager only wants to have his number retired. And Pittsburgh, we're looking your direction once he's actually retired from playing. And it doesn't look like that's going to happen anytime soon. Yeah, well, first of all, you know, I think he does it for a certain reason, aside from just being a guy who really loves hockey. You know, I think he he said before he's worried about um, how what could happen to the team after he retires. Mm-hmm. Like, will the team make it without him? And, you know, that's the purest thing of all. Like, I think the Hockey Hall of Fame should make an exception here. I think he should be taken to the Hockey Hall of Fame right now. I've called about this before, and the rule is you've got to be retired for three years. And, they've, you know, waved that, they've waved that before. In, for Gretzky in, in, and Lemieux. And, they've and, waved and, it before. But this is different because he's still playing. Like Those guys at least stopped playing, in Lemieux's case, for the time being. I, I think there should be an exception for for Yager. And people always say, well, if this, then that, and then you got to do it for that guy. I'm like, no. Hey, if somebody else plays until they're 51 and keeps doing it because they're trying to keep a a team in his hometown alive and financially strong, okay, I'll say you can bend it for that person too. But I I think they should put Yager in while he's still playing. And I don't know if anybody agrees with me. People might think I'm wrong or I'm nuts, but that's my opinion. And if you don't like it, I'm not going to change it. (laughs) There you go. Put him in the hall. Uh, We'll hit a break. We'll come back with Anders Lee and Seth Jarvis. 32 Thoughts continues. a smoky break for our thought line partner montana's barbecue and bar with meats prepared and smoked in-house it's no wonder why they're canada's home for barbecue check them out and as elliot always says try the ribs yes their ribs are smoked in-house every day until they fall off the bone and don't forget montana's has all you can eat ribs Every Wednesday. Head on down to Montana's Barbecue and Bar and take the all-you-can-eat rib challenge every Wednesday. Smoking good barbecue only at Montana's. Some conditions apply. Visit montanas.ca for details. You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things, and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere, and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously. It doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple, and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. 
concerts, sporting events, conferences. People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host. Okay, Elliot, before we get to our future interviews with um, Seth Jarvis of the Hurricanes, Anders Lee of the Islanders, uh, time now for the Montana's Thought Line, Montana's Barbecue and Bar, Canada's home for barbecue, to which Elliot Friedman always reminds us. Try the ribs. 32thoughts at sportsnet.ca is the email, phone number 1-833-311-3232. We will start with a call about the hoof. <laughs> the hoof. Vanderhoof, B.C., one hour west of Prince George. Just thought I'd let you guys know. Listen, <laughs> like listening to your show. Take care. Uh, that's from Cole, Jonathan, and Ian. We got a number of um, we uh, 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 DMs and emails, and in this case, voicemails. Ryan Kennedy Ryan, was yeah, one of the guys. Yeah, good hockey, hockey writer. writer with the Hockey yeah. News. So uh, thank you for that. Yes, uh, the hoof, which was referenced last week, to which Elliot and I said, "Where's the hoof?" Uh, we now know it's in central British yeah. Columbia. Thanks to everyone who reminded us of that. We appreciate all of you writing in and making us feel super dumb. Elliot and I have broken compasses in our head. Yes, we do. We can't find stuff. Okay, one more uh, audio clip here from the thought line. one 3232 This is Rick in Sherwood Park. Shoot. Hey, guys. Rick from Sherwood Park. Uh, I wanted to ask a question about uh, trading and retaining salary. So if you retain salary on like a player that makes $900,000 or minimum salary and you retain it, is it possible to have a guy on your roster that you're paying like $450,000 a year? And what if it's a double retention? Can you like legit have a guy in your team for like 200 K? Uh, keep it home boys. Cheers. Hmm. The answer is yes. Uh, if you get a player, basically you can get a quarter of a player because a player can be retained twice, so 50% in one case and 50% of that 50% in another case. So yes, that can absolutely happen, the scenario you described. Okay, this one uh, comes to us from Zach in Ottawa. Uh, hey, Jeff and Elliot, emailing you from near Ottawa, longtime listener, love the pod. My question regards the rules about trading draft picks. We always see, for example, a 2024 fourth round and a 2025 third round being traded among and for other assets. Is there any limitation as to how far out these draft picks could be? If I'm the GM of a team, could I look into my crystal ball and estimate when my team will be highest in the draft and therefore have higher trade value and trade, say, a 2040 first round pick? Cheers, that from Zach. You know, it's funny. I asked somebody about this uh, last year, and I didn't get an answer that there was a hard and fast rule. I don't think there is. But I, What's that? I don't think there is, Elliot. I could be wrong, I, but I, I don't think there's a rule about it. But what he did tell me, he didn't know the team. He said he heard of one team that really did want to punt a draft pick into the future, and they were told no. 
Hmm. My favorite story around this is the Ontario Hockey League. There was one year where draft picks, well, second round draft picks specifically, there were, I mean, Travis Konechny went for like a bajillion um, second round draft picks when, when he got traded from the Ottawa 67s. Um, but there was one year where there was a, a string of draft picks that extended like, you know, 10 years long. And this one GM who was responsible for one of these deals called me up and, and was laughing and said, you know, my wife just said to me, and I said, what's that? And she said, you know, you went to work today and traded a nine-year-old. How do you feel about yourself today? <laughs> because of how far along the, uh, the, the draft picks went. Anyway, um, Zach near Ottawa, thank you so much for that one. Uh, we'll finish up with this. Um, Teague from Saskatoon, Jeff and Elliot, the Oilers are holding captain skates early this year. And it made me wonder about the rules around these skates. It looks like the Oilers have their training staff helping out. It made me wonder if the team pays for the staff or if it's on the players to pay for the ice trainers, equipment managers, etc. Also made me wonder how much can coaches and players talk over the summer and are there things they aren't allowed to talk about? I feel like you hear about coaches having dinner with players sometimes. If the coach can't practice with the team before training camp, are there limits to what they can talk about with their players over the summer? Thanks for the pods. Great job. This is an actually a really interesting question. Uh, you're allowed to talk as much as you want. Like coaches will often go travel. Like I, I've heard of situations where a coach gets hired on a new team and, you know, for example, if they have players who live in Europe, they'll sometimes they'll go to Europe and go meet with the players. You're allowed to do that. You're not really allowed to skate with them or practice with them. The Canucks last year got fined for practicing with some players at the end of after after their season ended last year. And the coaches can't be on the ice with the players uh, this year. Um, I'm sure, like, for example, with the Oilers, they're not charging Connor McDavid for the ice. I would be very surprised <laughs> if, if they were doing that. Hey, good practice today, yeah. Connor, with all your teammates you got yeah. in. That'll be there's, $400. Yeah, yes, there, no, I, I, I don't think that's happening. There's no yeah. there's no I in team, but there's two I's in invoice. How will you be paying that's, for this, Mr. McDavid? <laughs> that, that, that's right. Um, so... You know, like I remember a couple of years ago, there were complaints about the Maple Leafs because so many players lived in Toronto. The yep. Maple Leafs would open up their practice facility and people and other teams were like, wait a sec, they're getting a recruiting advantage, you know, and, and that one drove the Maple Leafs crazy. So, you know, basically the way it works is uh, once the captain's practices start, um, the coaches can't be on the ice with them. But other than that, anyone wants to be there from the team is allowed to be there. Okay. Uh, thank you to uh, everyone who submitted either voicemails at one 3232 or emails at 32thoughts.sportsnet.ca. It is the Montana's Thought Line, Montana's Barbecue and Bar, Canada's home for barbecue. Let's get to our two feature interviews. Seth Jarvis, young burgeoning superstar for the Carolina Hurricanes. But up first, here's super athlete Anders Lee of the New York Islanders on 32 Thoughts, the podcast. Okay, so Elliot's going to ask you a bunch of football questions. Mm -hmm. But I want to ask about just you as a young athlete, because there are, are some people that you meet, like elite level athletes, and you say, whichever sport this person chose 
they were going to be elite at it. And maybe it's more than one sport. And you mm-hmm. seem to be that guy. Why did you choose hockey? Well, I'd always played all sports growing up. Something that I was very grateful that my dad showed me all these sports and I enjoyed them all from baseball to football and hockey. But um, hockey, at the end of the day, was going to give me my greatest opportunity. And that was when I was kind of between football and hockey. Mm-hmm. I had the opportunity to go to Notre Dame and play hockey there. Um, that was a tough one to say no to. <laughs> and I think at the end of the day, too, as much as I love football, um, I wasn't giving up hockey. I think that was always going to be yeah. uh, what I wanted to do. How, 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 did base, how did baseball fit in there? Baseball was great because, you know what, it was so much different than the other two. And I played it just so much fun. Yeah. Being outside, you know, you're chirping with your buddies. Yep. Like, it's just, it was fun. I had a good time with it, and it was something different. It was slower paced. And then, you know, baseball, it's like all single moments and like just you at the plate or you on the mound and um, indi- a collection of individual exactly. moments and individual competitions. Exactly. And I think the yeah. concentration that you have to have for just throughout an inning or, or whatnot or on the mound, it was um, it offered a different perspective on playing sports, I guess. Yeah. What position did you play in baseball? I played third and pitch. pitch oh, you, so you like the you like the hot corner? You yeah. Liked- yeah. 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 It was hot at times. Worst injury? Yeah. Well, you just a ball to the lip for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, a bad hop. Yeah, took a few of those, but not bad in baseball. Kind of escaped them. And starter or closer? Starter. Yeah? Yeah. And, like, how, like what was your fastball? What would it top out in? I remember getting clocked. Like, I threw hard for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think my it was totally a control thing when it wasn't working. That was <laughs> That's where it was. You what know? was your bread and butter pitch? Was it the fastball? Fastball for sure. And yeah. then I'd my curve i definitely threw it too hard like i didn't drop it off enough this is all things i learned after i stopped pitching. <laughs> a, you got terrible yeah. coaches hey like, well i don't know definitely like, not do everything that. hard do every, yeah. so you played baseball like a hockey player essentially mm-hmm. pretty much yeah like there used to be a, a third baseman on the jays brett lowry you remember brett lowry oh, of and, course and everything he did was at you know a volume 10 yeah like and he grew up playing hockey as a canadian kid and he attacked baseball like he was a hockey player. I'm guessing you were the same way. Yeah, like I never figured out the changeup. Mm. Like it was just not an option. Little circle. Yeah. Like oh, I, yeah, I know. And I didn't, <laughs> I didn't like it. I didn't, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, if Verlander and Scherzer got traded, then the Mets could use a pitcher. Oh, it's not going to be me. It's not going to be me. <laughs> well, I, I have to credit Isle's videos on Twitter because I, I saw these things the other day, and, and it's your football highlights. And, you know, everybody knows you were a quarterback at one point. But, man, you could run. Like you're going, you're going 90 yards untouched. You're going 60 yards untouched. So there's both a positive and a negative. The positive is, Anders, those are great plays. The negative is, did you ever throw the football? Right. Yeah. Like <laughs> I told you before we got on, you're watching the wrong video. <laughs> no. It, yeah. We uh, we ran we ran the ball, uh, threw the ball a ton too. Um, but yeah, some some great holes there opened up by the O line. And mm-hmm. like I said, those are the glory days. Friday night lights, playing football. Um, We'd play it. We'd have a Friday night game and then three hockey games over the weekend. It was just how we did it in Minnesota. Did you? Did anyone ever say to you like this is too much or anything like that? I mean, there was guys like like a teammate of mine, Zach Budish, played college hockey. Great professional career overseas. He played football with me. Um, it's just what we did. Like there were definitely guys that did both sports. Go play in the elite league afterwards on the weekend, and that's just uh, kind of how we did it. It didn't seem like. Mm-hmm it was worth giving up football uh, when you could still play the hockey on Saturday, Sunday. 
Well, the way you're smiling, I could tell those are some of the best days of your life. Yeah. Um, Islanders. Okay, so here I always wonder about this. So on the eve of uh, free agency last year, someone said to me, take Mayfield off your list. He's staying. There, there's, there's a deal there. He's not going anywhere. And, you know, you, you, you say, okay, and you try to confirm it, but it's, it's impossible, as you know. And I always wonder, like, that day, the big deal Mayfield, big deal Engvall, uh, big deal uh, in goal Varlamov. And I wonder, like, how much do you guys know as players about what is, like, what, is going to happen? Well, I think, you know, you're in, you're in the room with these guys all year. You know where they stand and how they feel about the island and the team and what they want to do and so for us these weren't surprises you know you these guys got to do what's best for them for sure and their families but uh their intentions to want to stay and see this thing out with our group uh by no means was a surprise at all it's a big vote of confidence in your group a big one yeah what did you think when you heard all that i thought it was great i mean I, these guys uh have made impacts on our teams for whether it's a long time with scotty and varley uh, or just even a short time with Pierre. Um, like I was saying, we did a lot of good things at the end of the year. Uh, our season didn't end, and we didn't like the way the series ended. Um, but I think from where, where where we can take some of that, uh, there's a lot of opportunity there. You mentioned Pierre Engvall. Um, in Toronto, misunderstood, I, I think might be the, the, the best way to put it. Uh, I'm always curious to hear hockey players talk about other hockey players because you know, hockey fans observers a lot of stuff we miss that you guys know yeah what should we know about Pierre Engvall oh, I think he's a great player I think he stepped into our team and made a big difference and I think you guys saw that um but just the way he, he was carrying the puck for us the way he was entering the zone and using his speed and his body like he's a big guy yeah he's yes. strong he's a strong player um and he can go to work in the corners if he has to and he was doing all those, all those things with us, and that's why he was having such great success mm-hmm. and making an impact on you know with Brock and, and Palms during um, the latter half of the season there. Who's a better athlete, him or you? With Pierre? Yeah, I've heard he's a great athlete. He is. I mean, he's got hands. He's got hand eye. Like, I think he can. I've, he could give me a run for sure. I mean, <laughs> but like, yours, ah, 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 ah. still the but, best. But well, I, we just we, we play different sports. We play different sports. <laughs> I was. I think he could give me a run. That's an awesome quote. No, I don't know. We got a lot of good athletes on our team. It's actually ridiculous. So like, who's who else is there? Like Brock Nelson, like this guy's hand-eye and competitiveness, like tennis or table tennis, whatever it is. Like he's just a natural athlete for sure. Who's the worst loser? Like when you guys play, do your competitions. Who's the worst? We got loser? some poor losers. You know, like the sewer ball before the game or yeah. before practice. We got some poor ones, but. No, they're going to be safe with me. They're, they're safe. They're safe. <laughs> now I see why Lamorello what? named you captain. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. What, do, what do their names rhyme with? If you're not going to give them Yeah, them, exactly. Totally. Totally. <laughs> um, can never have enough leaders on a team. We've always heard that. What was it like bringing Bo Horvat into the mix? Oh, it was great. He stepped in right away. Um, not just on the ice, but off the ice. He's such a good person. Mm-hmm. Um, cares cares deeply about his game and um, his team, wherever he's at, and uh, very welcomed in our room. And I'm excited for him to get you know settled in and have a full season with us. And mm-hmm. it's a big transition moving coast to coast mid season. And mm-hmm. um, now that things are kind of more settled, he's gonna. I'm really looking forward to him yeah. and. Um, definitely in a, a leadership role for sure. I mean, you, like you said, you can never have too many of those guys and guys leaning on one another. And 
um, different guys speaking up throughout the year. It's you need that. I wanted to ask you about uh, Barzell. First of all, what do you think about his guitar playing? It's a, honestly like we both picked it up a little bit like during the COVID year. Like he's head and shoulders. He's got some more time on his hands to, to play, but like he's gotten he's gotten pretty solid. Like honestly, it's pretty good. So was this like an Everly replacement when Everly went out? Mm. Oh yeah, had when, to pick yeah, up the yeah, guitar? yeah. Who's gonna host the bonfires? Exactly. <laughs> so Barzi took over, but no, he's 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 a good little player now. Mm-hmm. And now he's going on stage. Yeah, I don't, yeah, he's enjoying it. Can you beat that eventually? N- no, I uh, too many hours. I'm short on. Like, you got to put in a lot of time with the guitar if you're starting at, you know, 30 years old. So I, I got some work to do. Is there a new team song? Not yet. Not yet. Is one coming? Yeah. I don't know yet. We'll work on that. We'll work on that. I'm glad you heard it. <laughs> I think it was fantastic. It was awesome. He we had a blast. You know, he wouldn't play at all. He just said, look, like, it's, but I'll play you a couple. Yeah. Like, like I, I got to tell you, like, when he told the story about sitting in the bubble and doing that, yeah. like, to me, that's what life is all about. Like, just sitting with your buddies and coming up with stuff like that. Oh, I mean, the bubble was one of my favorite hockey memories, honestly. Like, really? We, we, really were, yeah. we were there for, what, 65 days, whatever it was. Yeah. It was a road hockey tournament with 25 of your buddies. And, like, yeah, it got long for sure. Yeah. But, like, we were in Toronto. We were in the middle of a run. Like, yeah. you felt unstoppable. Like, it, it was it was really cool. Like, hard to be away from the families, no doubt. Yeah. That, that part definitely started to wear. But, I mean, we were just hanging out every day all the time mm. and winning hockey games. It was, it was a good experience. That's awesome. I mean, you're the first guy who's ever said to me that was one of their favorite experiences. Yeah, yeah. We hear the opposite <laughs> a lot. For sure. I mean, and, you know, our we had a, a good experience in the bubble. Like, we were, you know, we did something pretty good. I mean, we came up short, obviously, but we made a lot of memories doing that. And I think that set us up for um, that experience, set us up to continue on that path. Last one for me, Anders. You know, I, I was watching a little bit of some of your, your games at the end of the year, and I was watching, you know, just the, the line, like Sezikis, Clutterbuck, Martin. And, you know, age, like it's eventually going to come, for, like it comes for all of us. And I thought about, you know, what's it going to be like for the Islanders when those guys aren't there anymore? Or a, 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 whichever one of them, two of them, however it goes. And, like, I've always loved watching them, and I've loved how they're, like, it's such a huge identity of your team. They're so important. Yeah. Have you thought at all about a day where one or two or three of those three aren't Islanders anymore? You know what? I haven't really done that. Um, I think that their impact is still felt very widely, and these guys put in a lot of effort and work and take a lot of pride in what they do. It's not an easy job for them to go out there and, um, play that way for 82 games and they make a great impact on our team and uh, it's going to be fun to see them roll it back again you know I think they're going to have a great year well last one for me um, do you understand goalies and here's here's how I'm going to frame it you have one of the best goaltenders in the game in Ilya Sorokin I am forever fascinated fascinated watching this guy play and like the way he moves, I mean, a lot of Russian goalies are like this, but the way he moves around the posts is like no one else. Maybe Shishterkin with the Rangers, like no one else in the game. What do you see when you watch him play? I think you're touching on it. It's this, that athleticism. Like he's, he's so flexible and the way he can read a play, like he has anticipation. Uh, he's really never out of a save. And that's very difficult, uh, obviously, to put the puck past him, but just 
over and over and over to see these saves, uh, that can be discouraging on the other end of it. Well, like you watch, like do you ever think to like go up to them and say, like, do you even have hips? Like, how do you move like that? It's it's incredible. I mean, like I'm not moving like that at all. <laughs> you know, like his body type, the way he's just he's yeah. kind of lanky. He's got just incredible flexibility. Um, and, you know, he can just reach places that you wouldn't think he really could because he's not an overly big guy or anything mm. like that. And um, his technique is uh, a huge part of that as well. And, you know, he just makes it very tough. But still, not the best athlete. Not the best the athlete. Let's I'm not, yeah. Approach He might be. <laughs> and Sorokin. <laughs> thanks so much for this. No, thanks, guys. I know we're going to get Brent Burns stories out of Seth Jarvis. So, Elliot, why don't we just open up with Brent Burns stories? So, Mario Ferraro sat right there and talked to us about getting dental advice <laughs> from Brent Burns uh, because he's got, you know, uh, a couple of teeth out and he's got to deal with it. Uh, when I say Brent Burns, what comes to your mind? There's like He's one of those players that's impossible not to have an opinion and a few stories on. Yeah, just the craziest person. I've probably ever met and not in like a super energetic, well, energetically, he's like a 12 year old and like a 38 year old body. Yeah. But I think just, uh, the way he lives his life is, is just insane. Like he, it's like, I've never met someone who has like a ranch snake farm, like all this stuff. Like he's telling me stories yeah. about his ranch. He's got pictures of like zebras on there and stuff like that. Like who in their right mind is, <laughs> is running this in the summer. But, uh, yeah, he shot me a few texts this summer trying to get me to go down there. Once I heard snake boots when you're ever outside the house, I was like, eh, probably not going to sell me on that one. So maybe maybe next summer. Maybe next summer I'll grow over my fear. So Burns is a fascinating guy because, to your point about, you know, the ranch and the animals and the reptiles and all that, like that's the story. And the look is great and <laughs> all of it. Um, talk to us as a hockey player, though. Like what, when you see the hockey player, Brent Burns, what stands out for you? I mean, just being able to do what he does at such a high level at that age is incredible. Being able to, I think he broke our defenseman, like single season points last year. So, mm -hmm. I mean, to be able to do that yeah. and, uh, yeah, I think I like picking apart his game. I think his shot is just incredible. Being able yeah. to shoot as hard as he does from wherever. One timer. Yeah. It's, he might not know where it's going because he doesn't pick <laughs> up his head, but it's coming hard and it's usually coming pretty high. So how do you like standing in front of that? Not great. You know, <laughs> I, I've had a few close calls, but, uh, yeah, it's, he's, he's just the best. Yep. You know, Seth, you're for yourself, just, you're going in another year coming in like this summer. What did they tell you maybe in your, in their exit meetings with you, Rod? And what did you focus on this summer? I mean, I feel like it's the same. Most summers just getting bigger and stronger, being a smaller body. You need as much strength as you can get. Mm -hmm. And I think this summer, uh, I really took it to another level and I feel really confident about how I trained and my fitness level coming in, which is something that maybe in years past, it's been something I've been really trying to work on, but I think this year it's something I'm comfortable with. And w what uh, happened this summer that made you feel better? You know, I just matured a little bit. Yeah. I think, uh, maybe late puberty, maybe I'm finally, <laughs> finally, uh, hitting my stride. Um, starting to grow. Not the Western hockey league program anymore. <laughs> no, the no. Program. Yeah, I can kind of grow a little scruffy beard now. So, um, yeah, but I think just taking everything that I was doing before and just bumping it up a little bit, uh, a notch. I mean, nutrition is something that's been uh, 
maybe I wasn't so focused on before. And I think this summer and that past, the past season uh, was something I really focused on really, and really took to another level. Tell me about your diet. Like, did you change something? Did you, cut, did you add more, cut out something? Yeah. Like, what what don't you eat anymore? Yeah. Don't I eat? Yeah, what's well, off the plate? Off the plate is... Sadly, a lot of candy. I have oh. a wicked sweet tooth. So do I. What's oh. your fa- like? Like, what's your favorite candy? Well, I don't know if you ever had like little nerds gummy clusters. Yeah. Oh yeah, my kids love those. Yeah, oh yeah. my god, I yeah, those by far my favorite. But so trying to cut out as much of that as I can, and then one thing I got into. Um, the past summer was fasting, actually. Like intermittent fasting? Yeah. So, so what was your schedule? What did you do? I would eat. My last meal would be at, I wouldn't eat past 8 o'clock p.m. Mm-hmm. And then I wouldn't eat again until 12.31 p.m. And oh. then you just eat big meal, little snack, big meal, go to bed. Mm-hmm. And just drink water in the morning. And so I do all my workouts and skating in the morning. And I've honestly, the first week was a little bit tough. The yeah. first week I was like, yeah, this is, might not be for me. Mm-hmm. But after getting through it, I've never felt better. It was it was crazy, just not even the amount of energy you have, just not feeling heavy and uh, yep. felt ready to go. Black could you black could, coffee in the morning? I'm like, no, I can't while, drink while black you do, coffee. While you're doing that, you can't. You, you can't. Oh, I can't drink coffee. Okay. I'm like a 12 year old. Like hot chocolate, maybe, but <laughs> not coffee. I, I, I didn't start drinking coffee until I started dating my wife at 37. <laughs> so like, you got lots of time. Yeah. But here's my question: Can you do that during a season? Yeah, that's the part I guess I'm going to figure out. I so you're gonna, your goal is to still try and yeah. do that, eh? Uh, yeah. I think I'm probably going to end up eating mm-hmm. like a normal person, but mm-hmm. I think I'm going to be conscious of how much I'm eating and probably not eat quite as much in the morning mm-hmm. uh, and just see how I feel in the first couple of weeks. And if I don't like it, then I'll go back to a normal schedule. That's, that's pretty cool because... Intermittent fasting, I'm, I like. I don't do it, but I started to read about it. I yeah. find it very. I, I find the concept and the idea very interesting. Mm-hmm. And they always tell you if you don't eat your breakfast, you're not going to have the right energy during the day. But you're not the first person to tell me that they found that turning that on its head actually works really well. Yeah. So it's it's been cool to kind of figure that out myself and and see the benefits. Now, did you work on it like? Uh, one thing I really like talking about is, especially with skilled players like yourself, the craft of their game. What's your summer workout like in terms of puck skills and things like that? Yeah, for me, a lot of it. Um, luckily, I play with one of the best puck protectors in the game, Aho. Yep. And so I've been able to watch him just the way he doesn't stick handle as much as I think people think he does. It's just carrying the puck and knocking sticks away. Mm-hmm. And that was something I really focused on this year is just being able to go through traffic and not try to dangle everybody, but just place pucks, knock sticks, and be able to maneuver my way without having to overcomplicate it. And then mm-hmm. for me, is, is uh, I'm just trying to play as much as I can with my head up. Mm-hmm. And I think you can get in trouble when you get caught with your head down, obviously you can get hammered and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But I think just being able to maneuver the ice, head up, not stick down as much is uh, a combo that I'm hoping is going to really benefit me this year. Nice. What, what, further to that, I'm, I'm curious about this. What was the hardest thing? You mentioned the hardest thing to get off the plate are the, are the, are the nerds clusters. What was the <laughs> hardest thing to get out of your game, though? Because, listen, I, we watched you a lot growing up, and anyone who's watched you, like, elite, elite player, like, great hands, vision, all of it. But when you got to the NHL and now here you are right now, what have you had a hard time getting out of your game that you needed to get out of your game to play in the NHL? I think the biggest thing, well, there's probably two. The first one is puck watching defensively. I think last season my defensive game took a big step, and I think a lot of that had to do with not getting so zoned in on the puck 
and uh, that in my early years caused a lot of trouble for my for myself <laughs> and so just being able to be more aware defensively and then offensively um, I like to use my speed I like to skate a million miles an hour but yep. uh, I think being able to change it up and not have to skate as hard and add a little more deceptive skating I think you see guys like Jack Hughes who kind of float through the zone and they're not always going as fast as they can then kind of turn it on and, mm -hmm. and beat guys so just little aspects like that have been tough to kind of get out because it's been so embedded in me is just skate as hard as you can whenever but uh it's been a challenge but it's been fun as you evolve through the nhl has there been any major equipment changes you've made skate changes anything like that or is it basically the same yeah same gear same thing you use going back to years ago playing junior yeah Pretty much the same. I think the only big change, and it's not even big, it's big in my eyes. Um, the I'm lie guy, of your stick. Pardon? The lie of your stick? No. I'm guessing. I'm guessing. No, no, no not, not quite. I've been thinking about it, but okay. I haven't moved there yet. Um, I'm, I loved using skates until they, like, broke off my feet. Like, they were, like, worn in like sneakers. And um, Jordan Stahl actually would give, just give me the hardest time because he switches skates every two weeks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But he's a big body. Like, he wears them out pretty quick. And so one thing I changed was switching skates more often. And I, I do like it now. I, I mm. feel like it's nice to, to be in a fresh pair of skates. But that was, that was a tough one for me because, like, I liked wearing them until, like, the, the seams he likes and the toe boots, cap eh? were coming off. Jordan Starr really likes stiff boots. Oh, my I God. I was always told. Yeah. I don't even know how he moves out there, but he moves well. <laughs> <laughs> well one tough memory to bring up. Just after the Eastern Conference Final, the dressing room after the last game, and, like, that was uh, that was a heartbreaking series just because the way that those games mm -hmm. went. What was the mood like in the room? What was said? Yeah, I'm sure you could imagine how yeah. it was. A lot of a lot of disappointment. Not not much was said. Um, one that thing that sticks out uh, a lot to me though is um, Roddy when he when he came in like he was like like there's not much you can say to a group at that point and he just kind of came and sat down with us and just having him in there and like being present with us and it felt like he was like not just a coach but on the like on the ice and stuff like that and like a player again so i thought that was pretty mm. cool just seeing him do that like he wasn't in there trying to cheer us up or or talk to us about what happened he was just letting us kind of feel the emotions we were feeling and and kind of go through it with us so he just sat down just and sat down didn't say much and just kind of uh just joined in on the bad feeling basically mm -hmm. like, like you guys are close you're right there like every year you know people make their list of teams that you know can win the stanley cup and carolina's on it at, at for now for years and but but I, when you look at your team i'm just curious when you you see and say for us to break through this has to happen for us and what is this in your eyes yeah i think it's easy to speak on last year. Like, I think last year, the injuries to Svech and uh, Pacioretty, I mean, I think those are two guys where if you could drop a playoff player, it's probably you're going to come up with something like that. So that one, just looking back on it, really sucks because those are two guys that can make a big impact in the postseason. But, yeah, I think just um, maybe just more grit. I think we just – I think we brought in some grit with Lemieux and Bunting and guys like that, just guys that will uh, – Maybe when the game gets a little bit tougher, like I think when we saw what we saw against Florida, like they were getting in our face a little bit, 
and uh, obviously you don't want to take a penalty or anything like that, but you won't, you need to have pushback. And mm-hmm. I think they did a good job of bringing in guys that'll maybe settle that down a little bit more. How would you guys have played Vegas? That's a fantastic question. Yeah, that's I a think, really good question. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think it would have been a, a fun series just in the way that I think our games are similar but a little bit different. I think they they uh, we kind of suffocate teams and, and slow and slow the game down and, and really um, make it hard on teams to get out of their zone. Mm-hmm. I think they're a team that relies on a lot of high-speed flying, but they also have that kind of ability to, to shut the game down. So I don't know how it would have played out, but I'm, I'm hoping we would have won. Like Did you watch says, it? Oh, I couldn't. No. Oh, oh, really? Not, eh? No, not a chance. Like, I know some guys, they won't watch it, but they'll watch the when the cup gets yeah. handed out. Most guys answer the way you do. They can't stand it. No. Like, I had, I'm good buddies with uh, Brett Howden on Vegas. So, like, I watched when he got it, and I was like, this sucks. And then I just turned <laughs> it off. <laughs> well, fingers crossed that uh, people are saying that about I you. I hope so. I hope Howes is saying the exact same thing about me in June. Uh, good luck this season. Thanks so much for doing this. Thank you very much. those interviews were real fun both for different reasons i continue to be impressed at the athleticism of andrews lee who just looks like just such a natural athlete and like we mentioned in the interview elliot whatever this guy was going to decide to do athletically he was going to be successful at uh, whether it was football whether it was baseball uh or thankfully you know for all of us he decided to be a hockey player we can enjoy watching him but how about seth jarvis I know you. Uh, I, I know you kind of you know pop like the cork out of a champagne bottle about the suit, but just a dynamic conversation with a real charming young hockey player. Really good talker, and, and that's the thing. You know, I, I've mentioned to you, this to you before. I don't see a lot of these guys anymore because I'm always in the studio. So it's yeah. great to get out there and, and have the opportunity to talk to them. Uh, but. Yeah, I, I don't even know what he was saying. I was too busy drooling over the suit. <laughs> Pick your lip up, Mr. Friedman. Pick your lip up. Be professional. Uh, and on that, we'll wrap up. Now, Elliot and I on Monday are off to Edmonton for a few days um, to do some interviews with a couple of Edmonton Oilers players uh, and some Edmonton Oilers managers slash, slash coaches slash executives, etc., um, so that's where we will be, but, you know, we're kind of, you know, sliding back in here to our regular rotation, um, for the podcast mainly drops on Monday and Friday mornings. Um, so thanks. I think Elliot, it's safe to say that we're back. I don't know if that's back with a capital B or a lowercase B, uh, but we're getting back to work here. Uh, your thoughts on what we're looking forward to in Edmondson. Unfortunately for you, the audience, we are back. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk to a few of the Oilers. Uh, you know, if you heard the Dreisaitl interview, I'm picking the Oilers to win the Cup this year. As a matter of fact, I might be picking them f- like every year until they actually win. I'm at that point now. I think they're going to win it. Uh, did you do that with San Jose back in the day? No, no, no. I don't think I've ever done that with anybody before. I did. I well, did. hopefully every this year. turns out more successfully than that did. <laughs> very true, very true. So looking forward but to that. I so, think this uh, team could win the Cup. They're good enough. Uh, I know there are question marks in net. I get it. But this is a team that looks like they could win the, uh, the the Stanley Cup. And we'll see what Ken Holland puts together this season. And listen, I'm curious to see if 
I'm curious to see a full season of the power play with Evan Bouchard on the point. Because as dynamic as it was last season, now with the shooting dimension that Evan Bouchard can bring along with it, all of a sudden that power play just got even nastier. So that's it. That's the pod. Thanks for listening uh, in Edmonton for a few days. And then we're back with more 32 Thoughts, the podcast. Enjoy your week. You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously. It doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences... People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host.